Amazing words in these passages that we've read. Absolutely remarkable concepts. In Luke, we read in verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. In 35, the angel answered and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. This had nothing to do with Mary and Joseph when it boiled right down to it. The Holy Spirit did it all. Holy Spirit came to Mary and said, we need somebody to be willing to do this. Are you willing? She said she was. The Holy Spirit came to Joseph and said, we need somebody to be willing to be her husband and to do this. And he said, I am willing. But it was the Holy Spirit who did that. It was the Holy Spirit who was behind it all. It was the, by the power of the Holy Spirit that this came to pass. What an amazing concept. In Matthew, we read these words, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They will call him Emmanuel, translated God with us. God in flesh. Not just for the joy of Christmas, but for us. For our life and for our salvation and for our eternity. She'll bear a son and she shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins we have been reminded of that regularly. We were reminded of that again last night. We're reminded of it again this morning that that's why he did this, to save his people from their sins. They had a sin problem, and there needed to be a solution to it. And Jesus came and said, I'm the solution to that issue. These are wonderful words, lofty words, high words, significant words, important words. God was pleased to do what he did for you. For you. He did this for you. He was pleased to dwell among us as one of us. That's an amazing thing. Understand that the God, the God of the universe, did not, from his lofty spot in heaven, look down upon us, his creation, and say, I've given you what you needed. Here are the hoops you need to jump through so that you can have a relationship with me. You've sinned. You've messed it up. You walked away from me. I want to give you a chance. Here are the hoops. Work it out. Do what you need to do. And when it's all said and done, we'll take a look, and we'll kind of weigh it in the balance and find out, did you do enough? He did not do that. He said, I come, and I give you Myself, the Savior. He died for our sins. He said, I will dwell among you. I will take on flesh. I will show you a life of perfection empowered by the Holy Spirit. I will then die as the Lamb of God and pay the price for your sins. And God was pleased to dwell among us for us. Turn with me to John chapter 1. We want to take just a couple of moments to, to look at, at a couple of the verses that we didn't quite finish last week. In John chapter 1, we worked our way through and we really came to verse 14. We want to talk a little bit about verses 14 through 18 this morning. It says in verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's the verse. I, I, I want you to ponder that verse. I hope that you think about that verse today and throughout the week. And the Word became flesh 
and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. We know that this is referring to Jesus Christ. We looked at that last week. There's absolutely no doubt that that's who he's talking about. The one who created the self-existent one. The one who always has been. He's talking about Jesus Christ. So here, John, in the Gospel of John, the one who gives us nothing about Mary and Joseph, gives us a grand picture of the Incarnation. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The infinite, the eternal entered time. The invisible became visible. The Creator lived among the created. God revealing Himself to humanity so that we might know we said this last week, but I think it's worth repeating. The picture here is that he pitched his tent. He tabernacled with us. A temporary dwelling. This was not just a show that he put on. This was Jesus taking on all of the essential, the essential attributes of humanity and becoming one of us. The word became flesh. And dwelt among us. Notice what it says. And we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father. Glory. It is a word we use often. The idea of the word glory means to give weight to. To honor. To glorify God is to give weight to God. To honor God. To, to say look at who he is. And to put him on display is the best way to really think about it. When we say we want to glorify God, we want to put him on display. We want, to, we want to say, look at him. I glorify him. Look at him. I want you all to notice him. It is to recognize the importance of who he is and what he has done. God's glory is a topic all through the Old Testament. It's really a topic all through the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, his glory was hidden. It, it, was, it, was, it was fuzzy, if you will. Oh, there were shades of it. We saw it in different places. We saw what we call the Shekinah glory of God in the Old Testament where the fire, the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day led the nation of Israel. We saw him display his glory. We saw him put his works on display so that people would point and say, look at God. He did that with Egypt and, and Israel and taking them out of Egypt and, and crossing the Red Sea. His glory was on display as the nation began to go into the promised land and, and to deal with all of the other nations. His glory was on display to the prophets every now and again as we've studied with Isaiah just recently in Sunday school. And we get to the New Testament and it says his glory now is a bit different because it's there, right there with us every day Look, there it is, the glory of God on display. You want to learn about the glory of God? Read the Gospels. Read about Jesus Christ. Because it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. God was on display. God was revealing himself to the world in a brand new way. So that we might know God understand God, see God, 
experience God in a way that we'd never experienced God before. He dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. We saw his glory. This weekend, I hope that you've seen God's glory. I hope that you've taken the time to, to pause or to add to all of your celebrations who God is. You've read a little bit. You've listened to some of those great Christmas hymns. And you have pondered just a little bit every now and again. That's God. That's the creator. That's my savior. I've seen his glory because I've been worshiping him. Because of who he is and what he did. God had revealed himself in many ways in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, he came and he said, this is the way I'm going to reveal myself. Here it is, through my only begotten son. And a reminder, those words begotten and son, they don't talk about position. What they talk about is a uniqueness. One of a kind. Can't re be reproduced. Every time son was talked about in the Gospels, especially in the Gospel of John, it is expressing the fact that there is an equality with the Father. It is a title of divinity. He is God. And the glory of God was on display. And I think it's one of the really cool things that, that is happening in our world today is with all of the, the, the glitz and the glitter and the fun and the fabulous excitement of Christmas, there's a sense where God is on display over and over again. I hope that you're seeing that. I hope that you're experiencing that and you're celebrating that, that it is God on display, that his glory is being seen in some amazing ways. Jesus came to redeem us. He came to show us the Father. He came to put God's glory on display. Let me share with you just a couple of ways. We're not going to turn to these passages, but... Certainly in John chapter 1, we read about his appearing, Jesus appearing on the earth, God's glory on display. We see later on in the Gospels, and Peter talks about it, the resurrection, God's glory on display. In the Gospels, we read about, and Peter confirms to us that that time when there was that transfigurization, and, and a couple of the disciples were there, and Jesus was changed before their very eyes, God's glory was on display display. In Ephesians chapter 1, we read about the fact that he is the father of glory. In Ephesians, and in, or excuse me, in 2 Corinthians, we read about the fact that God's glory needs to go beyond Jesus now. It's now our turn to take up the mantle. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And then we'll go right to chapter 4. He came to display the glory. His glory was on display. And it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, Let no man deceive himself. If any, man, any among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. Now, understand where I'm going and why I'm doing this verse. Because what happens is as we understand who Jesus is and what he did, and as we understand that he died for us and he's given us the Holy Spirit, as we want to display his glory... 
Let no man deceive if, if anyone thinks he is wise in this age, he must become foolish, so that he must be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, he catches the one who is wise in their craftiness. Verse 21 says, no one, let no one boast in men. The idea here is this. God at work in me. And if we're going to live for the glory of God, we want to display him, not us. Let us not think ourselves to be better than we are because we belong to God. Chapter 4, verse 6 says this, Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively applied to myself for Apollos and for your sakes, so that in us you may learn not to exceed what is written, so that none of you will become arrogant in behalf of one against the other. What are you saying? I'm in 1 Corinthians. I need to be in 2. Uh, um, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. My apologies. You guys were all there probably. I'm in another chapter. I'm preaching along, and you guys are just behaving yourself so good. I like that very much. Way to go. What? Well, I appreciate that very much. Way to go. You guys, are, you guys are excellent. Well, let's look at chapter 3, verse 18 which is a verse that's going to make more sense for you. But 1 Corinthians 3 makes sense because the thing that gets in the way of us displaying God's glory is what? Us. But we all with unveiled faces beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as the Lord the Spirit. We're being transformed. We're becoming more like Jesus Christ so that people will see his glory. In chapter 4, verse 6, For God who said, Light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. It is Christ in you. See, what we want to celebrate is not only that he came, not only that he lived, not only that he died, not only that he was buried, not only that he was resurrected, but he is alive in us still today. When Jesus was on the earth and John said, look, the Lamb of God, and everybody was able to say, look, there it is. God is on display in that man, Jesus, the God-man. And he said, I need to go away so that I can send you the Holy Spirit so that while I'm in heaven, waiting for you to join me, people will look at you and say, look, I see God. I see God. As we see his glory, we understand that he is inside of us wanting to display his glory question that every single one of us needs to ask is, are we willing to let him? Are we willing to let him display his glory in us? Go back to John chapter 1. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Just real quick. Grace and truth. 
The idea of grace is in verse 14. The idea of grace is in verse 16. The idea of grace is in verse 17, right here in this passage. For of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Grace, undeserved, unmerited favor. Jesus was full of grace. And he was displaying God's glory and passing along that grace upon grace to all those who came into contact with him. Undeserved favor and blessing of God toward man. You think that's what Christmas might be about? Undeserved favor and blessing of God toward man. Grace. Grace. Isn't it wonderful? I mentioned this last night. Isn't it wonderful that the angels came to the shepherds for that great announcement? Not just to the superior folks of that day, not just to the religious leaders of that day, but he came to the shepherds. And the teaching was, you know what? This Messiah that is born today is for everyone. That's what the angel said, for everyone. Grace, grace. You don't deserve it, but you got it anyway. You have my love. You have my favor. You have the Christ on the cross. You have the Holy Spirit given to you. Grace upon grace upon grace. An overwhelming amount of grace is what John is wanting us to understand here. It just goes and goes and goes, and it never stops. It is God's grace in remarkable ways. And he said also in verse 14, full of grace and truth. We talk about truth all the time. It is what sets Christianity apart from every other belief system. God's truth on display. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, our celebration of Christmas, one of the interesting things about the calendar is that when we turn the page, we move on. And there will be spatterings of Christmas celebrations for the next couple of days, no doubt. But then we move on. Next week, we strip everything off. Take it down, it seems like. Or if not next week, shortly thereafter. We move on. Don't move beyond this verse. Don't move away from this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Camp in that until we meet again next year and celebrate the incarnation again. And we'll be reminded one more time, look what God did. Look what God did. Father, we thank you so very much that Jesus did this for us. We are so used to these words. We've read them all our lives. And yet we understand that these words are overwhelming. What you have done for us 
what Jesus gave up for us. What he surrendered willingly for us. What he went through for us. That we might see your glory. That we might be redeemed. That our sins might be forgiven. That we would belong to you. It's overwhelming. Lord, you are overwhelming. I pray this morning that as we go and as we celebrate this day called Christmas with our family and our friends, with our loved ones, as we exchange gifts, as we have meals, as we do those unique celebrations and those traditions that we enjoy so much, may this truth and this concept never leave us. May the idea that we've talked about this morning be that thing that motivates us and pushes us and drives us. That your love is so great that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father. And then you gave us the Holy Spirit so that your glory might be displayed in us, so that your grace and your truth would be seen in us. May we be those instruments for you and show you our love by being instruments and servants of the word of Jesus, of our Savior, the Creator. Thank you for your great gift. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name.